Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm happy to have you here. So this week, we're going to dive into part two of our retirement planning mini-series, in which we're going to talk in detail about inflation and fixed income, two very important elements in retirement. But before we get there, I just want to make a couple uh, quick PSAs. The first one being, if you happen to listen to our podcast by picking and choosing different episodes of interest, which that's all well and good, I would encourage that. But in this scenario, I'd ask that you go back and listen to part one before uh, moving on further. All right. In part one, we go through a nice introduction of retirement planning today, an overview of the landscape and the different topics that we need to be aware of before we talk in more detail. Secondly, if you're a loyal listener on the more traditional sites of podcasting, where it's just an audio experience, I'd encourage you to go check us out on Facebook or YouTube, again, at the Kaderna Podcast, so that you can get the visual experience as we share a number of charts, tables, and illustrations in many of these episodes. But without further ado, let's start talking about inflation and fixed income. So what is inflation? Why does that matter? Now, again, from part one, you might be familiar with the accumulation phase or that climb up the mountain in our working years in which inflation can be one of our best friends. It can be the reason for rising wages, increasing our earning potential and contributing to the economy. But once we turn that bend and we start to head down the other side of the mountain in the decumulation phase, now inflation can be one of our worst enemies. The reason being is you may find yourself with a finite amount of assets on a fixed income without all the different levers to pull to combat inflation, uh, such as going back to work or investing aggressively and things of that nature. And now retirement could very well last 10, 20, 30, even 40 years in these uh, everlasting uh, retirement horizons that stretch out further and further. So as inflation continues to erode the value of your dollar, it's something that we need to pay uh, special attention to. Now we'll bring up our first chart. So here you can see the rate of inflation measured by the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, from 1914 to 2019. You'll notice like anything else, this isn't sedentary, all right? The rates are changing constantly as almost all the variables within finance. And so what the CPI is, is a set of statistics compiled by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, or the BLS, to measure inflation as experienced by consumers in their day-to-day living expenses. If you're not familiar with what the CPI is, you know, I'll elaborate on that right now. So the data for the CPI is collected each month when BLS data collectors called economic assistance visit or call thousands of retail stores, service establishments, doctor's offices, rental units, and more all across the country to obtain information on the prices of thousands of items used to track and measure change within the CPI. Now, if you thought you had a tedious or boring job, you obviously haven't met these folks yet. It seems a bit antiquated, but uh, kudos to them for getting the job done. All right, these economic assistants gather data about the prices of over 80,000 items every single month that represent a scientifically selected sample of prices paid by consumers for goods and services purchased and collected. 
The CPI then records the price change element of inflation that consumers experience. And that's how we gather this data month to month and year to year. Now you'll notice on our chart that way back in 1918, that was one of the highest years ever for inflation, in which in the US inflation was at 18%, all right, just prior to our Great Depression. And then you'll see it kind of have its gyrations over time. And then eventually in more recent memory, uh, in 1980, inflation peaked at 13.5%, okay? So you talk about losing the value of your hard-earned dollar. Uh, those are pretty eye-opening figures. And then after the 80s, inflation has kind of tapered off into more uh, recent memory. Uh, the latest data we have, of course, being 2019, in which inflation sat at 1.80%. So most economists will quote the rate of inflation somewhere around 3% or so. Uh, so you could see that right now we're uh, well below average uh, in regards to inflation. But what does that mean? What does that mean to your dollars and your hard-earned savings? If we look at from 1980 to 2020, okay, so the past four decades, what has inflation done to your money? Well, inflation over that 40-year period accumulated to 235%. What that means in dollars is that $100 in 1980 is as valuable as $335 today in 2020. Or in other words, you would have had to have your money grow from 100 bucks to $335 just to buy the same amount of items that you would have back in 1980, okay? So we need to keep up with that growth there. Otherwise, our dollars that are sitting under the mattress are actually losing money, all right? Because $100 now is not what it was back then, okay? So why do we talk about fixed income? Well, a lot of people say, okay, when I retire, I'll get more conservative and I'll put the bulk of my money into some fixed income instruments. These could be fixed annuities, CDs, money market accounts, or oftentimes bonds. And what they hope is that that can keep up with inflation so that they don't kind of reach the finish line and then start taking steps backwards, but that they can actually maintain their lifestyle and standard of living. So as we bring up our next chart here, this is a history of treasury bills or T-bills. T-bills are U.S. government debt securities with a maturity of less than one year. They're issued at a discount from par, so they're a little different than other bonds in which you get an interest rate. In this instance, a 90-day T-bill issued at $9,800 would then mature to $10,000 in 90 days, and that's how T-bills work. All right, it's a great uh, reference for overall interest rates. And you'll notice here on our chart, these are year-by-year -year total returns for a rolling three-month T-bill portfolio from 1931 to 2019. And again, this is all data collected from the Federal Reserve System. From 1938 to 1940, T-bills would have yielded 0.4% annually, okay? And then if you go again back up into around 1980, uh, in particular 1981, the same portfolio of three-month T-bills will have yielded 15%, okay? That's without taking any market risk, right? That's a pretty nice return I think most folks would be comfortable with. But now in the current day, all right, just recently in 2013, uh, that same three-month T-bill portfolio would have yielded us about 0.06% as interest rates hit about rock bottom. In 2019, last year, it was 2.14. In 
So you could notice that from the 50s to the 80s, interest rates were going up. And then they went down all the way to where we are today, which is at, of course, historic lows. So Fed has, the Fed has kept uh, interest rates you know, near rock bottom since the Great Recession. And now with the COVID pandemic and everything else going on in the economy, uh, they've been reluctant to raise them. And that has a direct impact, of course, on uh, debt instruments like T-bills. So here we are. And what you'll notice in our uh, chart this is another chart that I'm going to bring up that elaborates a little further on what that again means to you in dollars and cents. So you'll see here that a million dollars in that three month T bill portfolio in 1980, all right, which we said that was going to be close to 15% uh, interest, that would have kicked off about $149,600. All right, that's a million dollars in 1980. I think most people in 1980 would have said, hey, I'll be just fine with $149,000 a year in retirement. But again, we've got to keep in mind our purchasing power. I just explained to you what inflation did from 1980 to 2020. And now here we are in 2020, or if we look at 2019 in particular, that same million dollar portfolio in those same 90 day T-bills would have kicked off just $21,400. Obviously, that's an enormous difference in retirement income for that household. Think about that. In the 80s, you were getting literally seven times more interest, seven times more output from your uh, fixed income portfolio, assuming you were in these T-bills. Not to mention those same dollars carry a far different weight uh, when we factor in inflation. So that's a little bit about T-bills. But now if we look at, again, interest rates, fixed income, et cetera, I don't know many clients of mine or many individuals for that matter that actually go out and buy a T-bill and hold on to it. That's not very common. Usually now you're seeing a lot of folks invest in either mutual funds or exchange traded funds and index funds that will track uh, fixed income or particular sectors of the, the bond uh, sector. One of the best benchmarks happens to be a universal benchmark for fixed income called the Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond. It's almost like the S&P 500 for American stocks. Just to give you a quick history lesson on that. So Art Lipson and John Roundtree of Kuhn Loeb and Company created the aforementioned program to maintain information on a group of eligible bonds concurrently which provided a method for determining the total return of that grouping or that index. Kuhn Loeb, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong, was bought by Lehman Brothers in 1977. May they rest in peace. Barclays then bought Lehman Brothers in 2008 after the Great Recession when they went belly up. And then more recently in 2016, Bloomberg bought Barclays. And that's now how we have uh, the most universal benchmark for fixed income the Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond, okay? So if you're saying, is my fixed income portfolio doing well? Is it doing bad? That's usually going to be your benchmark. So now not everybody's just investing in treasuries or U.S. government securities. Some people want to take a little bit more risk or have a little bit more return. And that's where they may go into corporate bonds, which will be our next chart here. So according to the Fed Reserve in 2020, these are the performance of corporate bonds, which are fixed income securities that pay interest at a rate that's typically higher than government bonds. 
These bonds get evaluated by rating agencies such as Moody's and Standard & Poor's and are separated into various classes of investment grade or non-investment grade uh, as a credit rating. And just so you know where you see high yield, which sounds good, that's also synonymous with junk bonds. Okay, they're one and the same, so bear that in mind. Now, what these credit ratings are is essentially a ranking of the company's ability to repay debt and to withstand different types of financial and economic stress compared to that of their peers, other companies. So the ratings are intended to help provide forward-looking opinions on a company's ability and willingness to pay that interest and repay the principal as promised. So you'll see that Moody's ratings are, are for investment quality bonds range from AAA to BAA. The Moody's yield is an index of seasoned bonds. Seasoned bonds are typically those which are issued by established companies with good reputations whose bonds have a high liquidity in the secondary market. So you'll notice that these AAA investment grade bonds at their best uh, in 1919, it was about 5.49%. Again, they moved with interest rates in 1981. They were at about 14.1%. And then more recently, just last year in 2019, uh, these investment grade bonds kicked off 3.39%. So these are all different things that we have to take into account as we devise a portfolio in retirement and we're concerned about inflation. And you might be saying to yourself, well, if inflation is low, you know, who cares about interest rates? But the thing is, when we step into retirement, we're not looking at inflation just in that year. We're thinking about what inflation has done over the past 30 or 40 years to our portfolio and has it been able to keep up with the cost of living. And then we're looking forward again, not just this year, but if we have a retirement 30 or 40 years ahead of us, can our por por portfolio sustain itself for those next three or four decades? So as you think about fixed income, I've just listed a few of the instruments here, CDs, fixed annuities, uh, bond portfolios, treasuries. You can even find different ones that try and hedge inflation, uh, often referred to as floating rate or low duration bond portfolios. And other ones are called TIPS, which are treasury inflation protected securities. These are designed with that element in mind. Granted, they come with their own separate set of risks. So these are all things to think about uh, as we try and keep inflation at bay and we design that portfolio. Again, a conservative portfolio is often synonymous with fixed income. But when we start to think about how inflation can suck out the value of a, a dollar, we can't overlook the certain risks that still are associated with fixed income. In particular, interest rate risk, inflation, uh, default risk or credit risk, and then ultimately the duration of our bonds or our portfolio and when we can actually access that money. So please keep these things in mind. And you might be saying, well, how do all these things get taxed? You know, isn't that the other huge wealth eroding factor? And the answer to that question is certainly yes. And we're going to save that for part three of our retirement planning mini series. So thanks for so much for tuning in today. I hope you found this information, especially the charts, I think tell, you know, a picture could speak a thousand words. If you haven't listened to us or viewed us, I should say online, again, go to Facebook, go to YouTube. It will give you a richer experience. And there's a lot of information that you can make your uh, decisions off of with this data. 
I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Kaderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, Pass, 300 Broad Acres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Nine 73244420. Financial representative, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance LLC are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA SIPC. California Insurance License Number OK04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.